eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own? Look to your left, look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It's Sunday, October 4th, and this is the second part of our interview with my friend, Jeff Bacalar. We recorded this interview in the very beginning of March, and so some of the stuff may sound a little bit um, maybe underestimating the impact of the virus. But in this part of the interview, we talk about all the different media companies, whether or not podcasting's in a bubble, and what's going on in the video and gaming industry. Here's the rest of our interview with CNET's Jeff Bacalar. You're very immersed in the in the world of media. What do you see as the landscape of, you know, going forward? Like Netflix is now borrowing a ton of money to create content. Hulu's the NBC Peacock thing. Disney Plus like came out like gangbusters. Amazon's sort of trying. Apple sort of in it. Like what happens here? I don't know what? what happens here. You're my expert. But I used to think there was going to be this like massive content bubble that all of these, you know, and and, and to some degree, you, you know, Netflix kind of walked a few things back in their spending. And, you know, the, I guess for a time there was like anything was getting greenlit. It was like, oh, what's that? Like you, you, you. Jeff a, and Jill want to do a talk show live. Let's we, do it. Let's buy eight episodes. Right? right. So I think that's walked back a little bit. But there does not seem to be a shortage of the need for premium content, right? There doesn't seem to be this this sort of like dearth of, of the, you know, of the desire to keep having that, which I find kind of interesting and, and fascinating that it's still a very lucrative thing for a lot of, you know, streaming companies and, and media companies. I don't know what will happen. There is obviously this massive consolidation that's happening where you have all these acquisitions and mergers. Maybe things will regress to how things were when TV started becoming a thing where you did have like three companies and maybe from there, you know, who knows how that shakes out. But something is going to have to give. After a while, am I subscribing to 17 different things? And how is that not just what cable was where I just had 400 channels? Right. How we get from there to to that I don't know what the middle looks like, but we are nowhere near the end of this story. That is for sure. What about the podcast bubble? Since you were one of the earliest podcasters on the 404, could you have ever imagined being at this current place where, you know, Spotify is 
forking over millions mm-hmm. of dollars for this thing that you've been doing forever or that people really want this? Well, that was always like the fantasy when we were doing it. It was like, oh, this seems like this will take over everything, you know, and we were very close to the fire, but... You know, I think when we were doing that show, we we real we thought that there was money to be made here, and there is. I think a lot of companies struggled with figuring out ways to monetize it in the beginning. That doesn't seem to be that much of an issue anymore. I think some you know companies are vastly overpaying for some of these podcast networks. Of course, yeah. I mean, like Bill Simmons, who I love. I yeah. mean, I, I really, I, I really like the uh, rewatchables. I love the rewatchables. Yeah, I, I pitched myself to do trading places with them, but oh my gosh, it's not so smart. Oh my gosh, never heard back. Um, Valentine. Yeah. <laughs> sell Mortimer. Sell. <laughs> oh it's the best. Bacon, as in, in a bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> and he just looks at the camera. Yeah. It's so good. Anyway, that is a big number. We don't know what the real number is, but, you know, it was somewhere between 50 and 200. Yeah. So let's say it was 125. Right. That's unbelievable. It's it's wild. And I, everyone talks about a podcast bubble, and sure, but again, there is a massive consolidation going on with that stuff too. And I don't see that stopping anytime soon because there are so many podcasts that still continue to make lots of money. I think there's been a bit of a, from an advertising standpoint, there's been a bit of a regression with the amount of spending. And, you know, I think there was a bit of a honeymoon period with that when you had companies like Midroll who really kind of cornered the market in show advertising. But there are new companies out there figuring out ways to track podcast listening a lot more accurately um, and effectively. The thing with podcasts that I, I, I still think is an underappreciated detail of why they're so lucrative and why they're so important is, you know, you have such a direct to consumer thing there. Like I subscribe to Jill's show because I know exactly what I'm getting. I want this and I want it regularly and I want it because I know I'm going to love it and I know what I am getting. Different subscription relationships are not as precise and they're not as keyed into exactly what you're, you know, like there are podcasts that just don't have huge listenerships, but they have such a specific base and such a loyal following that they are niche enough to have money being made there. You look at like a YouTube channel, right, that ha- that could have 5 million subscribers, but people who subscribe to it, they don't know exactly what they're going to get. You know, unless it's like one personality, if it's like a media company, the way you're kind of getting this like potpourri of stuff, you're spinning the wheel and maybe, you know, one out of 10 videos I'm really going to like. But with a podcast that goes right into your brain and that is exactly what you want to hear. And, you know, you form these relationships with hosts and content. And and you have a halo relationship that the host is going to be reading your spot and that that's going to be interesting. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Okay, last topic. How big of an industry is video gaming right now? It's pretty friggin' huge. What's going on in in gaming that's exciting right now for you? Uh, What's really cool is we are at the precipice of a new console generation. This generation is not going to look like the others. There are different strategies being implemented by different console makers. So you have Sony that seems to be very much staying the course in releasing a brand new console and they're going to leverage their exclusivity. So they 
for the last generation of consoles had the best exclusive games. If you wanted to play the major, the vast majority of original, unique, and exclusive to one console games, that was on the PlayStation 4. And they're kind of riding that momentum into PlayStation 5, which is going to be coming out this holiday season. That is their strategy right now. Then you have Microsoft, who will be coming out with, I think they're calling it Xbox Series X, which is taking a bit of a a bend on that philosophy. And they kind of don't care where you play their games because don't forget Microsoft is Windows. Mm -hmm. And people who play games on PC, 99.9% of those people are playing games on a Windows PC. So their strategy is, hey, if you don't want to buy an Xbox, that's fine. You can play our games on your PC. Or maybe you don't want the latest and greatest console. Well, we're going to release something that isn't the super high-end version of this console. Maybe it's like a, mid, a mid-range a mid one, but you'll still be able to play the games, maybe with not the fidelity of our, you know, our Lamborghini model. But if I can get you into this Toyota Corolla... Why not? Why not? And that's their strategy, and that seems to have more momentum in terms of people saying, hey, like maybe that's the move. Maybe it's not just, here's one console, buy it and play the games. Then you also have the notion of streaming gaming, which Google tried to do with a service called Stadia, which is kind of dead on arrival. Oh, wow. But um, I think their their technology is good. And I think Sony and Microsoft see value there. And you will see those two companies also implement their cloud-based gaming sort of stuff. So it's a really interesting time. We haven't even touched on esports, which is such a massive thing that nobody really understands the popularity of it, especially in this country. Like, we 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 are so behind in that. Really? Oh, yeah. So who's now, a leader in that? Probably South Korea. And what is esports exactly? Be precise. Competitive with- video games. Uh-huh. Team-based. Okay. Yeah. Solo. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, big This money. is a great time to be getting involved in that since you will not be able to go to a live sporting event with the spread of coronavirus. Well, it's funny you say that. Well, it's not funny you say that, but there are stadiums for esports. People go, tens of thousands of people to stadiums to watch people play, you know, League of Legends and uh, Dota and all these games. Remember when I had to ask you what video game to buy my nephew because I had no idea. And then you told me once, like, you can't buy him that. That's dirty or that's too violent. There's a a lot of junk out there. Um, I just remind you again that really the only video game that I played as an adult was Leisure Suit Larry. That says a lot. You know what I'm that saying? That says a lot it was like about... like 1987. Okay. That was the... That's when we were playing. Maybe 88. I don't know if I'd go around like advertising that. Leisure Suit Larry and the Lounge Lizards. I yeah. believe that's what it was called. Well, it was 1987 in video games. How much were you really getting out of that? And I was on Wall Street and there was not a lot going on in like <laughs> high-mindedness, right. believe me. Yeah. Well, thanks to Jeff and uh, we'll put a link up to Jeff's bio page at CNET. And by the way, since we actually recorded this, CNET has been sold to Red Ventures. So I haven't talked to Jeff since that sale has taken place. I got to make sure he still has a job. If you have questions about your job, if you've got questions about your financial life, you can always send us an email, askjill at jillonmoney.com. It's Sunday. That might mean you're hanging out with your pals. If so, be sure to stay outside, wash your hands, wear your masks, maintain that physical distancing, 
and try to do something nice for somebody else today. It will make you feel better. Okay, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.